What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you been playing? Yeah, so a uh, slight change up. Finally uh, threw some uh, new games into the mix. Um, so one thing that I finally played, uh, obviously from your recommendation the last episode and the world's recommendation for the most part, I finally picked up Deathloop. Ah, yeah. I've been playing, you know, Arcane's a little Deathloop. Huge Arcane fan. I know you are as well. You've replayed your Dishonored games. And I was always kind of half and half. I didn't know if I wanted to wait till Game Pass. And I saw the mechanics of the game. I wasn't sure. I really don't enjoy the super roguelike uh, extent of certain games. But uh, there's a lot of things I'm really liking about it. I finally picked, again, I'll be honest, I picked it up for $10 at GameStop. Brand new. Amazing um, deal. But <laughs> Which is, yeah, killer deal. So, and uh, I've spent a few hours with it. And, and you know, at, f- at first it, it wasn't jiving with me. You know, I don't like big, heavy tutorials. And uh, those first two, three hours of Deathloop is every time you push a button, there's going to be a menu showing you a tutorial of something or explanation. Um, I think there would have been maybe a, a better streamlined version of that. Again, I'm not a developer. I'm not a designer. So it is what it is. Uh, uh, I just don't think it was the best way to teach you all these mechanics. Like so much is thrown at you so quickly. Um, but I, I do like the the more, not linear, but I guess more direct process of it where I usually have an idea of where to go later on in the game, you know, especially when you start uh, getting your abilities that can transfer from day to day and the story starts falling into place. So I do enjoy a lot of that. I think, you know, mechanically the game was just a little off for me <laughs> at first. Uh, I do think that like some of the shooting was a little just uh, wonky and a lot of that reminisces from like Dishonored where just attacks didn't hit, a bullet didn't hit. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would I would stealth um, and I'd be caught. Uh I do have, you know, there's still some of these, you know, small glitches and, and bugs that need to be fixed that they've been there since launch and they've been getting better, but like, I'll be walking and just magically they'll know, the enemies will just know I'm behind a wall without any sort of uh, issue where just like everyone gets alerted. And, but I, I do like the, the openness of like the creativity of killing it. You know, I'm in the process now where I think I need to kill one more person. Again, I don't know how this all unravels, but... Out of all the people I need to kill, there's one I need to kill, and I would have killed everybody once, and then I guess I can start formulating how to do it all in one day. So I'm, I'm enjoying a lot of it, and, you know, again, I small gripes with it, but nothing that I was just, like, overly down about. Again, could use some improvements uh, in a world that we got a Death Loop 2 or some sort of sequel. Um, I would really like to see that game because, again, I think seeing this formulate a little bit a little bit more sculpt out uh would be really cool to enjoy so i'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that I, i'm hoping to beat that soon I, I i don't know how how the game how long the game is really but uh, i i am hoping to hopefully come to a conclusion with death loop soon i see why people may have chose it as it's their game of the years i don't i don't agree with that necessarily i could see why but uh we've played a lot of games this year and a lot of things have been better in many aspects uh when you go feature to feature but uh really liking it i'm enjoying it uh two little indie games i've been playing uh semi-indie games uh one is uh death's door just came out on game pass Uh, i've been playing that um i'm very 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 early i want to say i may be two hours into it um where i'm just sort of still getting the mechanics and obviously uh 
this is another game that people have been preaching about as their like game of the year. You know, playing as a little reaping crow to get things done. Um, you know, very very two D top down Zelda esque, which really got me. I, I do like the fast pacedness of it. I, I like that it's like five minutes. You're already fighting a boss, uh, getting the controls down really quickly, where it's not like a lot of back and forth. Um, at the moment, again, I don't know if that changes. Um, but it's a nice little game. I, I do enjoy it. These are the kind of things I really like Game Pass for, where I get these small like snippets of games, and I get to try it, and I, I either really enjoy it like Death Store, and I want to proceed with it, or uh, you know, or I don't, which is um, always a mixed bag. So that's all I have to say on Death Store. I will be playing that more, obviously. I just I'm so early on where it's like I don't know what else the game has to offer. Um, a game I played a slightly more than Death Store was Nobody Saves the World, which also was a Game Pass drop. This was from uh, Drinkbox, uh, I believe Drinkbox Studios. And this one's a weird one. That's a that's a, a weird. I enjoyed Drinkbox most of their games. So this is a weird one, dungeon crawler uh, in a sense. Where um, I don't know if uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's you basically play as a nobody who gets the abilities to transform into different uh, creatures and beings and have different abilities. Like you become a rat and you have to poison people and, and, and chomp them. Uh, then you get a, a different ability as a swordsman and an archer. And I'm not sure what the overall story is just yet, but the, just the small gimmick of the game uh, kind of keeps me entertained. Uh, I know later you apparently get to like cross abilities and cross your different uh, transformations, which is pretty cool. I, I, I like where that is semi going with it. I just need to, uh, need to see it a little bit more out. But again, these are those small games that I like taking breaks. We have a big year of games coming ahead of us, so these small ones to kind of break it up and give you just a different perspective is really cool. Art style is kind of cute. You know, it, it looks very kiddish at the at the sense of it, but as always, you know, there's always more to the surface. Um, I mean, more under the surface to the game, so it's interesting. Um, so I, I, I like that, and I suggest people check that one out. Again, especially it's on Game Pass, so why not? Um... Um, the last thing, again, it's been a big Game Pass week for me. Uh, the last thing I've been playing is uh, Rainbow Six is Extraction. Uh, I believe that's what it's called, right? Yeah, Extraction. Cor- cor- it was Quarantine before, yeah, Extraction. This one, not so positive on. Um, so I've been playing this, uh, I played a couple hours last night, I want to say about four or five actually. I, I kind of got into the groove with it. Um, you know, I tried playing it solo very, very difficult and kind of boring playing it solo uh, in my opinion uh you know was able to get on there with my brother and uh the game man just feels so incomplete uh in in a sense that content sure is there but microtransactions you have them all up in your face uh the progression system is very very slow because they want you to spend money on microtransactions uh you know a big ubisoft is usually does this but not to this extent um so i was really surprised it was there uh, this is, you know, a more fleshed out version of the sort of outbreak mode that comes to Siege or came to Siege a couple years ago. Um, it's more, I guess, a more expanded version of it. Uh, Tom Clancy must be rolling in his grave constantly because this game, you have aliens, you have aliens with guns on their arm that shoot lasers, you have uh, aliens who can sense you. The mechanics are there. The gameplay is Siege, so if you did not enjoy Siege gameplay, you won't enjoy this gameplay. The very slow methodical you die in a hit or two um you know the aliens literally take two hits and they will kill you uh where they take a couple shots to the head um unless it's an exploder there's a lot of mechanics i do enjoy i do like the overall you get a squad you know the the different characters you can choose and when you get downed in one instead of just immediately dying you self cocoon yourself basically uh 
and then the players who do leave can come back to the stage and try to save that character. Um, I do like that opportunity. Just a lot of the small mechanics don't really work that well. Uh, again, enemies kill you instantly, even on the easiest mode. And to get all these cool upgrades, you have to grind. So you either have to play so slow and methodical that you finally get some good experience points. But it just doesn't feel like that. It feels you're very just kind of dropped in a map and then you're just told to do what you got to do um, without any sense of guidance um especially you know a game that's supposed to be so military no one has any guidance they're very generic on oh do this find this and extract this or kill this alien or don't kill this alien get it to this specific point and it all makes sense in a, in a way but it just it's a game pass game if i've ever seen it there's a reason ubisoft before launch dropped the game's price to 40 bucks um because this is a glorified mode being forced almost to be a full game um that's all I have to say on it for now. I, the shooting, the mechanics, all again, it's all transferred from Siege. So if you know anything about the Siege games, that's how this game plays. So, Which is either good or bad for most people. But it's weird to see some of these characters literally dragged and drop. Uh, some of the maps from Siege are in this game. Just smushed together and alternate a little bit. So you can do this, you know, alien mode. Um, so, which is, I mean... <laughs> I, it's in a sense almost trying to hit that left for dead feel again which we know that I mean back for blood couldn't even do it properly so it's just a mixed bag and it's just everything people were assuming about this game is pretty much true you know how it kind of flopped that should come to game pass uh, it's the only way people will play it uh, let me tell you I would have never touched this game uh, if it didn't come out on game pass uh, I was not going to spend 40 on it so that's all I've been dabbling into a couple new things uh, nothing really worth wild wild um <laughs> to come home i know the big games are on the horizon um no pun intended but they're they're out there about to come so it's uh, exciting uh so what have uh what have you been playing what have you been up to yeah i mean i guess i can kind of pick up from where you just left off um mm -hmm. i very very lightly played extraction myself i played well i think just a tutorial to be honest i, I played for maybe like i don't know 15 20 minutes um, not really my cup of tea. I didn't even go deep into the game because I already knew it was not going to be my cup of tea. So at some point, I might like actually dive in and just, I don't know, just see. But I already know that I'm probably, it's, I'm not into the multiplayer thing to begin with. I don't really like Siege like that. Uh, I'm not really into tactical shooters to begin with. So there's nothing about this game that I think is going to resonate with me. But I do want to give it a try. I mean, it's on Game Pass, so might as well. Uh, but yeah, overall, I haven't been playing a ton. Uh, I've probably for the most part just um honestly been pretty burned out uh from, from playing a ton of stuff i went back to back on a lot of games and uh, i was hitting that dishonored uh pretty hard and so at this point i'm, I'm kind of exhausted um and i know a lot of games are coming in february so i've kind of just taken some time to catch my breath a little bit uh but that doesn't mean i haven't dabbled with a couple of tiny things so uh i have been playing a little bit of my switch oled uh to play some of the new n64 games i'm still you know chugging along a little bit on paper mario having a fun time with that uh and then banjo just dropped on oled so i, I gave that yeah. uh, a little switch or a, a little bit of a play and that's i mean it's banjo kazooie uh, if you like banjo but i, just, I mostly want to see how uh things look and perform on the uh, n64 service for the most part i haven't had any issues with paper mario or banjo uh for right now the only games i think really i experience issues with were a little bit of Super Mario 64 and uh, more so with Zelda. But other than that, everything else seems to perform pretty well. 
Um, I also played Death's Door. I am way too early in it to speak definitively on it. I played probably less than you have, uh, maybe an hour at the very most. So I don't have much to report, but from what I played, I like it a lot. Um, I, the only thing that I would have an issue with is, and it has nothing to do with the game, has to do with where I'm playing it. I'd probably prefer playing this on Switch, to be honest, just because of the form Absolutely. factor. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so other than that, other than the, the platform in which I'm playing it, I have nothing uh, but positive things to say about it. And then on uh, the third game I played is I finally picked up Ruiner on Switch. Um, and uh, it, it went on crazy sale. I think it was like less than five bucks. Uh, online and I know you had mentioned it sometime back um, for me yeah. to go check out and so I finally was able to get it on Switch. I could totally see a lot of the concessions they made to get it running on Switch. Uh, to be honest, I could like I could just mm-hmm. sometimes you can even if it's the first time playing like I can kind of like look at the cutscenes and look at the the assets and I'm like that I could pr- totally see a much more higher resolution version of this existing on PlayStation Xbox. Uh, that's probably a little bit more smoother to play, but. They did a pretty solid job, and I love the way the reds of this game kind of really pop on that OLED screen. So that was a really cool experience, and it reminds me a lot of what I'd say is probably a combo um, between Dead Nation meets Mr. Shifty. I don't know if you remember Mr. Shifty. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, And that's kind of the vibe I get with it, and I love the cyberpunk atmosphere. Interesting story so far. I'm not deep into it. like the weapon choices. Um, I'm, I still feel like I'm trying to get a hold of how to play it effectively. Because, and I'm doing fine. It's like I'm progressing fine. Um, but I feel like I'm still like sloppy. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out how to like properly get it. And again, twin six shooters are not always the easiest thing to jump into. Uh, sometimes they snap in like a dead nation or an alien nation. Then other times it takes a little bit more... Uh, to get acclimated to it. So this is one that's going to take a little bit more time for me to get used to uh, for Ruiner. But overall, I'm, I'm pretty positive on it and definitely worth the, the the money that I paid for it. So if you can find it on sale, I highly suggest it, uh, recommend it. Additionally to what, you know, Steve's already talked it up really uh, quite a bit. But yeah, Ruiner is really, really solid. So for the most part, yeah, that's all I played. And also I got my plates on my PS5, which I've been more excited about than the games probably. Um <laughs> And and you haven't gotten yours yet, right? Uh, not yet, not yet. I did order the black ones. Um, I saw you sent me the photos, obviously, of the black ones. I've seen a lot of people put those red uh, maroon ones up as well. Ah, uh, yeah, the co- really cosmic nice. red or something like that. Yeah, they look nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and I've been watching a lot of videos about it. I was watching videos kind of the, the day that mine hadn't arrived yet, and... Yeah, I was just super hyped to put them on, and then I, 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 the day before, I actually took my white plates off, and just so I can, like, dust and everything, so when the black ones arrive, I can pop them right in, and, uh, yeah, no, they look amazing, um, and, and what I like about it most is, is just the matte look, but the thing is, it's so subtle, the midnight black, that when I put it back on my shelf, and I had it next to my Xbox, and I kind of just took a look at it, it definitely just looked the way that a PS5 probably, in my mind, should have always looked. It doesn't look like a modded PS5 or something changed or anything like that. It looks super standard. Like, it immediately snapped into, like, a very regular-looking console to the point that if I snap my white ones back on right now, it'd probably look off, to be honest uh, with you. The only thing at this point is that I really need those black Joy-Cons to match it. Uh, Right now, I have two white Joy-Cons. And the other colors look really cool. Uh, I'm definitely a pink guy, but I don't personally like the pink that they, they... included in that set personally like i just it's it's closer to like a neon pink and it's it reminds me a little bit of the pink that like the switch has that i i just don't like that pink 
or that salmon or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the purple looks beautiful. That red looks beautiful. So, uh, of course, I'm conflicted. I'm like, at some point, I might I need to upgrade again and get a, a different color. But who knows what will be out by that point. But uh, And you said you ordered black, right? I ordered the black one. All right. Um, only the red's out, I, though, right? Uh, red and black? Only the black black and red are out. I, I, I do kind of like that powdery blue. I, I oh, yeah, the blue, it. yeah. There is that... I used to have uh, my DSi <laughs> used to be that yeah, kind of powdery blue I color, so it reminisces a little bit about it. But uh, you know, well, I will end up probably having multiple, especially if they start doing collector's editions of them or you know specific designed ones. Um, I will probably end up caving, getting a few of these uh, plates. Yeah, for sure, and and yeah, it's just interesting to see that. I, I'm actually surprised from Sony actually releasing multiple colors at the same time because I totally, mm-hmm. I expected as many to, to eventually get the plates announced, uh, but I thought they were going to do black and then maybe over time like a red or the, like, but to have like multiple at the same time and to actually have like a galaxy theme around it, that's actually pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah. I don't know how difficult they are going to be for people to get, but uh, I would imagine they're probably going to be easier because they're, there's no chipset there, so there's nothing to kind of... Yeah. It's all, all plastic. Yeah, it's nothing to constrain production or anything like that. So for anybody who's able to get their hands on a PS5, I'm sure these will be somewhat readily available. I got them off of PlayStation Direct um, because that was the place I was taking pre-orders at the point that I had ordered them. Um, and I hadn't seen the Amazon link up at, at that point. So I got it off the Direct site and that allowed me to get it day one. But I'm sure eventually they'll be on Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, wherever you want it. So uh, for anybody who... Uh, is interested in it i definitely give it a thumbs up definitely get it uh totally worth it and i love it that this for the most part this console is modular it actually reminds me a little bit of the 360 days uh where you could change the face plates because um yeah. yeah with the ps4 if you wanted a different looking ps4 you got to get a new ps4 so like um as much as like i loved the destiny ps4 and all these things i just had my standard black one pretty much all the time because i wasn't really trying to buy a whole nother 400 system so this is great you know you spend 50 dollars and you can have a completely brand new looking system uh so even if you're existing plates somehow i don't know how they would happen but if they got like worn down or whatever you have plenty of options of where to you know switch that up and make it look different and uh at this point the only thing my only major critique of the ps5's visual performance or visual look at this point is the fact that that center is uh that kind of gloss and that just is a dust magnet or a fingerprint magnet especially because the outside Mm is um matte now so it makes it stand out a little bit even more but when you turn it on you have that white or blue glow on the black it's like oh my god it's just beautiful so i'm very happy about it yeah i'm excited i'm excited to uh definitely get it on and so they're yeah i just checked right now so they're exclusively available through uh playstation direct oh until february until february 18th it says available everywhere else uh, available elsewhere on february 18th so amazon probably is gonna be their biggest option so oh okay got you yeah so keep your eyes open but yeah i i can vouch for the playstation direct they were fast it was inexpensive it was free shipping so no, no complaints there yeah cool cool all right, so we can jump into the stories, and we're just going to kick it off with the biggest story of the week that everybody's been talking about. So let's just jump in, and there's lots to talk yeah. about here, so I'm going to break it up, uh, and we'll just kind of discuss things point by point. Uh, so to start, following reports, Microsoft has now officially announced that it has acquired Activision Blizzard and a deal valued at nearly $70 billion. Uh, this is Microsoft's biggest acquisition in history of any type and is the biggest gaming acquisition in history by a huge margin. So nothing even really comes close uh, with the Bethesda and everything. Um, over many decades, the studios and teams that make up Activision Blizzard have earned 
uh, vast wellsprings of joy and respect from billions around of people around the world. Xbox boss Phil Spencer said, We are incredibly excited to have the chance to work with the amazing, talented, and dedicated people across Activision Publishing, Blizzard Entertainment, Beanox, Demonware, Digital Legends, High Moon, Infinity War, King, Major League Gaming, Radical Entertainment, Raven Software, Sledgehammer, Toys for Bob, Treyarch, and every team across Activision Blizzard. It's like, holy crap, do they have a, quite the roster. Um, until the deal closes, which is projected to happen around uh, Microsoft's 2023 year, our fiscal year, uh, which is July 2022 to July or to June 2023, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard will operate independently. Microsoft said if and when it does go through, the Black, the Activision Blizzard team will report to Spencer as the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, which, from what I understand, is a promotion from what, or or at least a brand new position being just uh, given to him. So that's a, I guess, congrats to Phil Spencer. Uh, Spencer said Microsoft will add as many Activision Blizzard games as we can to Xbox Game Pass for PC and console, including new games and catalog titles. Uh, Spencer went on to say that buying Activision Blizzard will help accelerate our plans for cloud gaming. Activision Blizzard uh, games are enjoyed on a variety of platforms, and we plan to continue to support these communities moving forward, he said. Sony stock reportedly took a $20 billion hit after Xbox announced that it's set to acquire uh, Activision Blizzard, so this is having massive ripple effects across across the gaming industry. Um, and as detailed in a report by Bloomberg, Sony Group Core shares reportedly fell by 13% in Tokyo on Wednesday, just a day after Microsoft announced its $68.7 billion deal uh, with Activision Blizzard. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of stock moving stuff around over the next few weeks uh, amongst multiple companies, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as per uh, the report, the drop itself is the largest single fall in Sony stock since uh, October 2008. But that will recover. Again, these... People are a little bit fickle, so things rebound like crazy, too. Um, so, yeah, this is a really interesting story. Uh, I'm sure we both have tons to say, but I just want to uh, start. Overall, what do you think about this acquisition? Do you think it's a good idea, bad idea? Um, and, and, yeah, what are your overall thoughts with it? Yeah, so, you know, when this news broke, I, I didn't know how to really even take it in. I remember staring at it, refreshing and refreshing and just reading him and I'm just staring it in my face I'm like it's a random I believe it was a Tuesday it was like a random Tuesday morning you just kind of drop this button same thing they did with the Bethesda deal but uh you know I, and then I had to sort of dissect it you know it, I had to look at it in different ways you know when you look at it in a company business type of way there's yeah some nervousness of uh you know uh, monopoly and stuff which I do think is a slight over hype of it, uh, I, I do think, um, I do think that you know the government and all these business bureaus are going to start uh, definitely having Microsoft on on watch because they are buying such large companies for so much money. Um, but again, I have nothing to do with that. I don't have stock in Microsoft. I don't work for Microsoft. I have no business with Microsoft um, in that sense. As a uh, privileged gamer, as someone who has you know multiple consoles you know we dabble in you know you and i dabble in you know all the ecosystems all these games obviously it's it's good for us in a sense when we look at the the i call it the game pass lens this is gonna just stuff game pass with things think of the whole back catalog of things that activision has licensed to not has licensed to um you and i who are big call of duty campaign fans not necessarily the multiplayer, but you and I enjoy the campaigns. I, I like to dabble in the zombies if they do it that year. Um, that's like this is a godsend because we will never buy another Call of Duty game again because 
<laughs> for $15, we can play the campaign basically in a weekend, and we're good to go. Um, in that selfish sort of my wallet sense, this is going to be a fantastic uh, thing for us to have all these games from all these studios just day one on Game Pass. You know? And I, again, I know that's not to praise this deal or take away from this deal. I, that's just... I had to look at it in that sense where how is it going to directly affect me is that these games day one are going to be on Game Pass. You know, I don't work in the industry of actually making video games, so I don't know how that'll trickle effect, and we'll see how this waves into everything else. Um, obviously, as a huge, huge uh, Sony fan, as well as a PlayStation fan, um, it, was a, it was slightly worrying. I was like, uh, again, I do have both systems, but in a sense where I, I can't get past the fact that we will live in a world where, we, again, we don't know if this is possible. Uh, you know, Phil Spencer has been doing his his usual tour of uh, words uh, on exclusives and all that whole deal. But in a world that we can get a new Crash or Spyro game and it could be exclusive to Xbox, <laughs> it's crazy. is is an insane deal. You know, and I know we have that in in slight sense. You know, it's the same reaction I had that when they announced the uh, Kotor remake, and it's exclusive timed exclusive to PS5. Even though it's a timed exclusive, those things can really change into something else that we don't know. It's still almost like blas. It's like blasphemy. I'm like, what? Uh, so it's it it is just such an interesting deal. Um, I do, and the last way I look at it is the hopeful way. Uh, Activision Blizzard, uh, obviously, and King included. Um, is obviously we know what they've what's been going on we've talked about it here we see reports constantly about what's been going on with uh except we'll get into it a little bit in, in later with bobby kodak um all the mishandling of the companies the mishandling of their employees of ips you know these the way they were treated uh you know the 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 harassment the deaths you know all these things that really have been just nailing activision blizzard um to the wall with and their quality of their games as well it's just, it's time that I hope now under the new reign of Microsoft that things get better, that things get addressed, that things get fixed. And I know in certain ways they will, in other ways we don't know. I do hope that Microsoft pushes this or Xbox pushes this to, you know, break that Call of Duty cycle. Let these companies do what they need to do. Um, you know, if this acquisition is what we have to do to get Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4 HD or whatever the remake that's fantastic um unfortunately probably be exclusive it's just there's just so many moving parts in this deal that it's so much less where when they bought bethesda it's like all right i don't play every bethesda game and the ones i want to play i can still play on my xbox or i can get it on pc that's cool this has so many other moving parts between teams employees and ips that it's just insane that i don't think we could ever see another even if someone, you know, in the world that Sony responds and buys Sega or, or someone like that, it would not be nearly this complicated because Activision is just everything. They can do everything themselves. They didn't need help. And now you have someone come to basically take the whole reins from them. So that's those are just my sort of off-the-top uh, reactions to this. Got you. Yeah, um, and I, I share a lot of the same thoughts as you have been. I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on it. Like, there are things about it that I think are interesting and, and good, and uh, there's other things that are concerning, I would say. Overall, 
in terms of like just let me get this out of the way in terms of like exclusives like oh does this mean this is only going to show up on xbox like i don't have as many concerns about that uh obviously well phil spencer said he was going to honor the commitments until they're not going to basically snatch out you know games from uh that were already agreed to be on playstation they're not going to snatch them and only put them on xbox uh in terms of future games when they get announced i'm sure some will it'll be like bethesda some things will be exclusive some things won't um I haven't been a single platform gamer in quite a while, so uh, my concern about, you know, like, will I be able to play? That's obviously a privileged position you and I don't really have to worry about. Like, it can kind of show up where it wants to show up, and I'll just play it anyways, like, whether it's Xbox or PlayStation. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have those concerns, obviously, as just a personal gamer, but, uh, and I think it is interesting to see Xbox inherit not only Activision, but what comes with Activision. And again, yeah, as you mentioned, we'll get into it later. But um, now Activision's problems are essentially um, Xbox's problems. And and not only do, yeah, they, they get a whole bunch of these studios and this incredible back catalog, and they're going to be able to make Game Pass an even more robust service, which is awesome mm-hmm. as an Xbox gamer. But yes, now currently, now Xbox game. Uh, Xbox Game Studios or, or Xbox as a company or Microsoft overall, they have also sexual harassment allegation issues to deal with. Now Xbox has the Hong Kong issues to deal with. Like this is Xbox's problems now because they own them, mm-hmm. um, or, or at least you know in 2023 will. And so that's a very interesting position to be where it's like with all the goodwill that uh, Phil Spencer and Xbox have worked to to get over the tail end of the xbox one generation into the series x generation uh and and them really being the kind of bastion for like customer friendly you know good to developers paying out giving money to the studios who need it to be able to develop their games you know games like like um psychonauts 2 who like they probably wouldn't exist without xbox having financed that operation which is a great thing um and so to see basically them inherit so in in many ways xbox being kind of the better received or or, or better pr uh company inherit the ones with the worst possible pr in the game industry possible currently is going to be very interesting to to have that kind of attached to your name now where like yeah when whenever you see that activision blizzard logo you're also going to see the xbox logo right next to it so activision blizzard xbox there you go um and so that's going to be an interesting position for them to be in and i think also the major concern that i have about it that a lot of people other have and again i if it sounds like i'm negative on this deal it's not that i'm negative is that i think there's a lot to consider here um because again i never in a million years saw this coming because to me activision blizzard was on the same level as the ea that was, and these are like these massive publishers that i think are in the acquiring business not being acquired business um mm-hmm. so i never saw activision getting bought out not currently uh, at least because i didn't see any major companies wanting to throw attach their name to them currently right now let them sort out the issues then we can work it out but the fact that xbox is more than willing to jump in i mean good on them i guess um but what i think the most interesting kind of wrinkle of this deal is is the idea of the horizontal merger and it's an issue that we're seeing a lot of uh in the streaming world and once upon a time in the music streaming world, uh, but in the video streaming world specifically, where you get a handful of companies that hold so much power. Um, and very specifically, I'm looking at like like a Disney, for example, where they own 
this as, essentially they they own Marvel, they own um, ESPN, they they own uh, Star Wars. I mean, National Geographic, like they own freaking everything. Um, and yeah, it does get, and, and then you got Apple and then you got all these major companies that own so much. And so you have so much power in the hands of so very few. And yeah, I think it is a concerning trend to see the game industry essentially head in the same direction, uh, where you have Xbox buying up all these major properties. So you're going to only have so many independent entities that really even make a splash, uh, going forward uh, not to mention you also have like companies like a tencent for example that are owning or, or highly investing in it and i'm not getting into like the political leanings necessarily a tencent that's an entirely different conversation but it's more it's more so the idea that like you'll have these kind of monoliths that control so when you look at an industry you have all these moving parts but it all essentially boils down to three or four names which is not a good position to be in in terms of the health and vitality and creativity of an industry um, when you have just so few people controlling everything, when somebody can basically like, okay, because I own A, B, and C, and the game industry only is made out of so many letters, I can change, I can, if I t choose to do this really toxic thing in my games, you just affected 25% of the game industry. You know what I mean? That That is my concern. And it has less to do with my faith in a, in Xbox and doing the right thing and more so their ability to do that um the idea that it's like if if theoretically phil spencer was like okay um all of my games that i own i want this really crappy microtransaction gambling feature in it and he would never do this obviously but let's say he wanted to mm -hmm. and he's like okay let's do it do you know the percentage of the game industry that would be affected if he just chose to do that on a whim you know what i mean um yeah and so the same concerns that I have with this kind of horizontal merger is the exact same issues that a lot of people had with, like, for example, Amazon once upon a time, where they just had so much power that they can kind of on a whim run people out of the game industry. So if like a trend was happening or, or, or out of the retail industry, that's what Bezos was doing at once upon a time. And so it just concerns me a little bit to see a company basically be able to do a very similar thing. I mean, if you look at what like Xbox owns. You take, like, X, Xbox, EA, Ubisoft, Sony, and Nintendo. I mean, at that point, there's not a ton of massive people left. You got Square kind of floating around. They got some degree of power. Sega is an IP power, but they're not really... Yeah. We, and I, you, you and I, you know I, how much I love Sega, but... Sega Sega at this point. And then you got, like, Capcom, but they're, they're more in, like, the FGC domination kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, it, I think it's worth keeping an eye on the idea that, like, yeah, Microsoft is buying up all these things, which is so awesome for Game Pass. And as a Game Pass subscriber myself and as an Xbox owner myself, yeah, I'm stoked for that. But on the same time, I think this is a indication of a broader trend that I don't think is going to stop here. And I don't think it's going to stop with Microsoft. I think Sony sure is definitely going to have big things in the uh, works. I think other company uh, like like EA, there's going to be more consolidation on that. And I think it's overall a bad trend. Uh, I think you know diversity in terms and, and independence of these companies will ultimately breed the most creative things. You know what I mean? Like as much as I love Disney, the fact that they own so many things certainly does stifle creativity to a certain amount. Because if it's not their vision of yeah. what they want it to be, then it's not essentially going to exist. 
uh, and there's not a lot of people out there with the budgets and scale to be able to compete with that really so you get a very specific linear view between warner and disney that is what superheroes are right now in 2022 and i think that's a concerning prospect uh and i think there's a lot of analogs you can draw between the the game industry if that makes any sense that's kind of my general thoughts on it no absolutely you know it, it is when you start looking at the whole thing i'm like how much power they have um you know i have i i discussed this with someone else um and i said there's i don't believe there's a way that all these uh studios last um that were under activision blizzard i think some of these not that people are gonna get like completely fired so i just think there's gonna be rework um uh, you know I, I don't see you know when's the last time beanox uh, release released the game yeah, you know it's, it's like all these small support studios uh, i think are gonna be you know moved around you know i i, I believe like I, Raven Software, which is a big favorite of mine, will hopefully be pulled off this Call of Duty cycle, given a game again, or given a, a new IP, and the ones who want to stay over, you know, move on over into uh, Infinity Ward and all these other teams, Treyarch. Because uh, I, I, I believe Treyarch and Infinity Ward for sure are going to stay making Call of Duty. Oh, of course. Um, but it, but it is it is a scary time. Uh, I, if I was one of these employees at any, uh, under Activision Blizzard... Um, I would be just so nervous and excited. I, I get it that, that having this new force seems and could be good, um, but no one, no company's perfect. You know, uh, you know, we've seen Sony coming off the greatest gen uh, for for them in a while. PS4, yeah, kind of stumble this year a little bit. You know, where an Xbox is looking better and better, but it doesn't mean that a mistake can't happen. It doesn't mean that something can go wrong with this uh, with this deal either up front or all you know behind the scenes for sure and and, and i don't also don't want to misconstrue or, or miscommunicate the idea that like from a business perspective from like microsoft's position like this is a brilliant deal don't get it twisted like the fact mm-hmm. that now activision you know if activision's selling and yeah 70 billion dollars is insane amount of money but like the fact that it's like now you know phil can be like okay we own toys for bob yeah. like we got that or, or we have yeah. like Sledgehammer or, and Raven, the incredible studio over there that we're probably uh, we're gonna actually be talking about later. Um, Infinity Ward, like these are like some real heavy hitters um, that I th- and and I think most of all the pe- the one that people are sleeping on the people that the one that people are not talking about is King. King is probably arguably in terms of just general cash coming in. Mm-hmm. The money that I bet Xbox gets from King is going to finance so many games I don't think otherwise would have seen the light of day. So I think from that perspective, you can obviously see a positive spin on this. Um, the amount of money King brings in from all those phone games is like ridiculous. Um, like yeah. we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that they bring in annually, uh, and and with no sign of that slowing. So the idea that like you know that's just a massive. Cash, cash flow that is just going to be funneling into Xbox at this point that will be the budget for a lot of upcoming games that otherwise may have never been able to be funded. So from that perspective, there's obviously a positive angle on this where I think this is super interesting and a great deal. Um, and I think that they'll be able to recoup that $70 billion in in short enough time. Like I think it was overall a smart business decision. As somebody who's not like, I'm not a venture capitalist, I'm not like a stakeholder, so I can't 
talk 100% like definitively about the business, but just from an outside mm-hmm. observer, I think that this overall was a very smart business deal. I just think that they're going to have the FTC and antitrust people on their booty for quite a while oh. Um, oh. <laughs> related to this. They're, it's coming, and I'm sure Microsoft is very well aware of it. They've been involved with that kind of stuff before, so it's not the end of the world uh, for them, but I'm sure we're going to be hearing article after article after article in latter 2022 definitely into 2023 about you know certain government agencies being like is this even allowed we'll see um but i'm sure it's going to go through from what i've heard from phil spencer this is already in the latter half this is cemented uh yes it's not like um to the point where it's kicked in and their activism doesn't currently belong to xbox but from what i understand the intentions are there the finances are there and activision's is ready to go Xbox is ready to go. So all this, I think this just probably requires approval, if anything. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, um, for sure. Not because, uh, especially since you know they, the way they've been talking about it is that at this point, this is basically they're at the same point mirroring Bethesda deal, which we saw completely go through, but it took did to take some time. Um, uh, one quick thing on the King aspect. Oh, of course. Uh, again, this that is a. Uh, under underrated and underspoken thing that people are thinking. Uh, Microsoft's been very vocal about wanting to break into the mobile space, and I know a lot of people thought xCloud was that deal. Uh, no, King is that deal. Uh, King knows what it is to be in that marketplace, to hit, to make money, to deal with iOS, uh, you know, because Apple's not an easy company to deal with, um, and they don't necessarily like Microsoft that much. Um, so it just there's a lot of that underworking that I think that's a, a very, very good step in that direction again business wise and i you know this like i agree with you that business wise this is a good deal we also have, remember uh it's come out and they've confirmed it that activision went to microsoft you know xbox didn't go in waving checks they were approached that's interesting you know yeah. at, you know that that's out there that my microsoft wasn't looking for this deal uh act you know it's I, I forgot what article or who i don't know if it was even phil spencer who said it um, but Activision is the one who approached Microsoft and Xbox for this deal. They were the ones who were basically like, do you guys want to buy us? And I don't know if that's due to, obviously, the scandals and everything like that, but it is interesting to think that an opportunity like this landed in Microsoft's lap. Of course they were going to do for sure. Do it at first. I mean, it, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, and it's very interesting kind of looking on the broader game industry sense to see them kind of acquire like like someone like king because it, it shows mm-hmm. a very like a very different strategy that i think makes a lot of sense where it's like if you want to break first off xbox is not the first major publisher to want to break into the mobile space we saw that not too long ago with nintendo actually and you saw two very different strategies there uh nintendo yeah. was like basically like we're gonna basically build a the mobile infrastructure from the ground up and, and build our own Nintendo mobile SKU, which is is cool and I think to some degree has worked out, as opposed to Xbox where they get to jump in with a proven entity and just essentially reap the rewards. So they don't have to iron out those kind of growing pains in the same way Nintendo did with like uh, the Super Mario jump game or whatever, or run. Um, where they had to find out, okay, how do you monetize this? How does the mobile industry even work? What do fans agree? And I feel like they really hit their stride finally with um, uh, Animal Crossing, Pocket Camp or whatever. Um, yeah. But it, that you have to keep in mind, that was not their first or their second foray into that space. Um, they had a couple of games, um, and, and notably, all of them are pretty good. Um, but... You know, they, it was a matter of finding out what works and what doesn't. And so 
Nintendo, it took them a little bit longer, where Xbox essentially gets to just jump headfirst in and reap the rewards of King, because King has been around for some time now. They have a number of just absolute juggernaut IP that uh, now Xbox gets to leverage in, in many ways. So, and and in many ways, you know, Xbox kind of like in a blink of an eye becomes a heavy hitter in the mobile space, as opposed to having to climb their way there, which is very interesting. And certainly it costs them. I'm, sur- I'm sure in many ways that it cost Microsoft way more to get to that position than it took Nintendo to get to theirs. Um, so there's mm-hmm. pros and cons certainly to both, but uh, at the same time, I think it's very interesting. So I think this shapes Microsoft to be a very different force in the game industry going forward. Um, considering the, just the sheer amount of studios and companies that they have under their belt so now we can get into the more controversial side of the acquisition that we kind of both breezed over um bobby kodak activision's longtime ceo is expected to leave after the deal closes according to people familiar with those plans microsoft had said in its announcement tuesday that mr kodak will continue to serve as ceo of activision blizzard and uh, that after the deal closes the activision blizzard business will report to microsoft gaming chief Phil Spencer, but the companies have agreed that he will depart once the deal closes, the people said. Um, But I don't think Microsoft has straight up came out and confirmed that. Um, So, that's the interesting thing, and uh, the first thing I thought of when I heard this story is it kind of brought me back to, I think, like maybe a week or two ago, maybe even a little longer, I don't know, that uh, I believe either Phil Spencer or Xbox released a statement, something along the lines of, like, we are aware of the Activision things and we are reassessing our relationship with them. I don't know if you remember that story. I do. And so, obviously, and I'm not the only one to think this, it was hilarious to see them. Basically, their idea of reassessment was to buy for $70 billion. I am. (laughs) You're mine now. Yeah, so I was like, well, they reassessed it, I guess. Um and so that is very interesting. And so me kind of as an outside observer, so I, I don't think there's any stranger. I've been not playing Activision games for a bit now. Um, I've just, And again, I was never the biggest Activision guy uh, to begin with. But as so long as um, a lot of these messed up allegations existed and management hadn't acted adequately about that i had just ceased playing any activision games and so for right now in the short term that doesn't change uh, microsoft acquiring them doesn't change anything for me personally um but i was like okay so you guys phil spencer made it clear that he does not stand with the approach that activision was taking with these allegations the kind of hostile environment that they had created and just all the toxic workplace stuff and abuse scandal um mm-hmm. but so so with this acquisition i was like okay so this is the time for them to really stand on their morals and make it clear that like we are not rocking with this at xbox so the natural thing they would do is purge leadership i think is the most common sense thing you could do if you really are about it if you're really gonna stand behind your words personally i would think okay codex gone uh, if i was phil spencer um and so the fact that they did not immediately come out uh, and dismiss Activision and say, okay, so when it t- it came time to really stand on it, I, I, I think they kind of buckled a little, a little bit and they played into the corporate stuff. And the, the kind of sad reality is Bobby Kotick, being the slimy, nasty dude that he is, is going to get a stupid big payout when he steps aside as yeah. CEO. Knowing the corporate world, knowing severance packages, and knowing the whole, we agreed upon mutually that it would be in the best interest. You know the corporate jargon. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's going to be kind of sick to watch where it's like Xbox is going to have to 
or not even gonna have to, but they made it clear that they're gonna straddle the line where they're gonna be on the side of creators and the side of justice and the side. But when it really comes down to it, don't worry, everybody's gonna get paid. Stakeholders, oh, don't get too scared, CEOs, don't get too scared. We're not stepping on any toes. You're gonna step aside real quiet. Step aside. Nobody. It's not gonna be anything dramatic. You're gonna get a nice couple couple million. You're gonna be sitting on it. So guess what? You get to create the toxic work environment. You get to f over all these people. You get to release these disgusting statements. And guess what? Here's a couple million on it. Don't worry about it, bud. Just tap you on the tap you on the little booty. Go along your way. You're fine. And that's the kind of sick thing about it. Is like I felt like. If they really stood on the side of... And again, I, I don't mean to make it like Phil Spencer is the one guy that makes every decision for this company. Obviously, there are a lot of people involved in this operation, um, in this acquisition. But I thought this was an excellent opportunity for them to really come out. And it's like, okay, now that Activision is part of Xbox, we will make it clear that abuse will not be tolerated. Anybody related uh, that had any connection to that stuff is gone. In a statement. I want to see that in a statement. I don't want to see it some silent, like, you know, hush, hush money, you're gone type Lot of thing. Posts. Yeah, like, I want to post about it. Like, we at Xbox do not stand for this. And it's clear that Activision has not taken the steps necessary to address these issues. So we're going to address these issues as the owners of them now. So as of this date, when we are actually making the calls for this, this list of people are gone. Or anybody, or, and hey, if you don't want to put out the names, okay, fine. These positions that have related to this thing or anybody who had any relation to these controversies are gone. I think that would have been the necessary step to show me that, okay, Xbox is really standing on uh, their, their ish this time. But it doesn't seem like they're going to go about it. I think this is going to be may, way more of a corporatist kind of move where they're going to keep things on kind of the hush-hush and keep it down. And he's probably going to go silently and get the, the, the Fox News treatment where he gets a stupid mm -hmm. payout. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts about the, the whole Bobby Kotick situation? Yeah, you know, for lack of better words, uh, screw this guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a, what a terrible person. Um, I also was hoping that Microsoft, uh, at least in the days following, would do a straight interview or a, a press release because Phil Spencer does really well in these. Those he doesn't like to give out all the information. I think this is something that needed to be addressed. Uh, so for the fact that they weren't out and saying we were gonna, you know, help evaluate, reevaluate, you know, triple check these allegations and we don't stand for this. Like all this stuff they could have said to garner not just garner good, you know, good. Uh, press but to put some of these new people you know these teams that are not going to be under microsoft's arm uh at ease that listen what was going on is not going to continue and we will go back and fix what's going on uh the fact that they're very you know I, i'm sure they would love to be not like yo bobby codex out obviously business doesn't work that way uh <laughs> they can't just especially until the deal is done obviously codex has uh is, isn't he's he's majority stockholder in activision yeah. I mean, he basically reworked that company from the ground up so obviously he probably had a lot in them saying like yo don't talk about me don't don't, don't oh, yeah, say sure. anything about me don't i said you acquired us it is what it is don't mention the allegations don't mention this because it's under investigation uh, you know he has a lot of power still there which is you know the main issue um but it is a little uh you know underwhelming to see him flip-flop uh the big thing you know oh we're reevaluating our our relationship with Activision. You reevaluated it from partnership to ownership. Uh, that's what that's what happened. Yeah. Um, but it is it is. I do hope that they it, they have to address it. I think whether it has to wait until Cody is actually out, 
Um, it, it does suck, uh, unfortunately, that, again, people have lost jobs, opportunities in their lives um, to, because of this man. And he's going to walk away with more money than most of us will ever see in our lives. Um, and he will literally not have to do anything else for the rest of his life. Um, and, uh, you know, undeserved. Not, not undeserved, but, uh, you know, not in the right way. You know, he caused a lot of pain. I mean... You gotta remember, he literally threatened to make someone disappear. Uh, it's it's the wild, wild stuff that he will be getting away with. Um, and I do hope that in one way or another that he gets his, you know, due justice and I, that someone puts him up against it, you know, and and justice is served for, for, for the victims. Um, it, it, I just, it just hurts that this is probably going to be so public in a sense that we're going to know when he leaves, I... I hope they do not do a weird post where, oh, as of today, Bobby Kotick's no longer. We thank him for his. No, don't don't do that. Oh, you know don't that's coming. Do that. Now. I do know it's coming because it probably it's probably be an agreement. Because again, for him to finally sign off and resign, he's probably gonna make that part of the contract to go agreement. Like, yo, make it seem like it's fine. Um, and it, that's that's it's messed up. It's really messed up, unfortunately. So, again, I I hope that a lot of this is addressed um i hope mainly this the victims and all that stuff is addressed and that microsoft double triples down on the unex on on that all this is unacceptable that is not correct and, and it will not stand um so that's what i that's what i want to see from xbox and microsoft yeah most definitely and for this one only time will tell so i, I guess we can kind of leave it there um and then lastly we have one more kind of part of the story that uh, Phil Spencer actually did an interview with the Washington Post, and so he kind of avoided talking about the future of the ongoing blockbuster franchises like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft under Microsoft. Um, instead, Spencer to- talked about the overlooked franchise Activision owns that Microsoft will get access to. And this is a quote by Phil Spencer. I was looking at the IP list. I mean, let's go. Spencer uh, exclaimed, King's Quest, Guitar Hero. Eh, I should know this, but I think they got Hexen. Um and, and so this is really interesting. So he's really, obviously, anybody who knows Phil Spencer is really into kind of those, like, low-key hits from back in the day. Um, and then finding ways to, you know, give them a little bit of light. I, I always appreciated his love of kind of, like, older gaming. As somebody who also, in, in YouTube, we love ourselves some retro games as well. Um, and uh, for you guys that don't know, you know, he uh, Hexen is a very interesting game that he mentioned. Um that a friend of mine actually had on PlayStation 1 back in the day, I believe. Um, and for you guys who don't know, it's like like a first-person fantasy game. So when I heard him mention that, I was like, what the hell? I was like, yeah. uh, it's, I just hadn't heard that name in so long. Because I think that came out in like 95, 96, something like that, like a long time ago. Um, and so I was like, look at look at Phil. But yeah, so that's really interesting. That's actually kind of pretty exciting to hear from like a retro gamer standpoint uh, that he seems to be most excited about kind of the the sleeper hits that Activision owns, that the dormant series, and less so the massive you know active franchises that he had. Again, of course, he's I'm sure stoked about the idea that he owns you know Call of Duty specifically, but the fact that uh you know under all that there are these other franchises of things that he loves from back in the day that now he has the ability to push to get active again which i think is an exciting thing so what do you think about this point yeah what 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 a name drop when he brought up hexen i was like hexen i was like 
which was, I believe, Raven Software. And I think it did some work on that, too. I'm like, wow, he's going deep with it. Um, but, you know, the IP situation itself is, is a big one that we haven't discussed yet. Um, and this is where, like, the positive starts, like, you know, it, it, there's so many ups and downs with this. Because, I mean, Microsoft has, has a lot of capable teams, and now they can hopefully start moving some of this stuff around. Um, we just got a Crash Bandicoot game, but, you know, Spiral 4 was put on ice. We're not really sure what happened with that. Um, that game was all but confirmed. We leaked uh, artwork and official artwork, so we don't know what happened with that um, exactly. So it's like, hopefully Microsoft does a little of this, because this is a lot of IPs. I mean, you're talking about the the Blur series. You're talking about the, all the Hero, you know, DJ Hero, Guitar Hero, all those games. Um Hearthstone, World of Warcraft is a huge one. Um, I would love to see uh, a, a reboot of the Prototype series, which I think is uh, slightly underrated. Uh, Singularity, if we can get that back as in HD. Um, I know they own, I think they, they own the IP to like the old Tenchu games. They don't know, they no longer have the Tenchu IP, so, but getting a sort of HD remix of something like that would be interesting. Um, but it is, it is. It is it is almost like a, I wish time could speed up a little bit because we I want to see how this all really works. Um, you know, obviously they're still being kind of tongue in cheek about exclusivity. You know, what comes to PlayStation, what doesn't. I know there was the tweet where Phil Spencer said, "Oh, I just got off the phone with Sony, and I think we had a really positive conversation of what's going on with future Activision titles." Um, and I think it's going to be. I think it's kind of obvious that I think maybe like Call of Duty, at least for a few years will be um, still multi-platform. I, I mean, you have to think the next two Call of Duty games are all but running on PS4, uh, PS4 and PS5 dev kits. So why wouldn't you just produce some big money? Um, it, it's just so weird, you know. It, it's 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 there's so many unknowns about this. On huh? what are you going to start doing? How cross IP can we pull? You know, a Spiral game or a Crash game and give it to. Uh, someone else on it, give it to Rare, or you know, Rare doesn't do those kind of games anymore. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see what goes on with it, and uh, that's all we have to say about that. It's just it's just such a an unknown moment where I could see it go both ways, where they don't do anything with these titles. Um, you know, Microsoft's not always the best; they're just kind of getting in that groove of of reviving things. Perfect Dark, uh, you know, everything we saw in Rare Replay, they're just starting to slightly tap into that. Um, you know, Killer Instinct has been dead for um, a few years now, and they have not given it to any other company. And I know they keep talking about how they don't want it to be dead, they want a nice solid fighter, but but they're all hush-hush about it. So I just hope this is not just a lot of smoke and mirrors, and when the time comes, we're still waiting 12, 15 years between spire games crash games and you know seeing these companies go full flown with these ips yeah for sure and kind of to just you know cap it off uh i was actually given some thought to like the exclusivity thing and i think it's it's way more likely that like call of duty gets the minecraft treatment uh than mm-hmm. kind of just a straight times exclusive or something like that like i just because of sales like um I think a lot, a lot of the reason why you bring in Activision, uh, additional to owning IP, is just the the money that they're able to generate with their annualized franchises, um, yep. and the idea that they would want to half that or even you know significantly decrease that by pulling it off PlayStation, it in many ways kind of defeats the purpose of bringing in Activision, um, because sure you you move Call of Duty 
solely to Xbox. To some degree, yeah, more people will buy Xboxes or, or exist in that ecosystem to some degree. But I think it makes a lot more sense to just have the exclusives with the many, many, many other pieces of IP that you own at this point and just leave the annualized stuff alone for the most part. I, I think they can draw people into Xbox without significantly impacting the cash flow. And that's the problem is, you know, Call of Duty is a moneymaker. And so I doubt that they want to impact that at all. However, it is also worth noting, and, and some people have made notice uh, note of this on social media, that Call of Duty means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, and so Call of Duty on PlayStation can mean some, can mean Warzone always being yep. present everywhere. That he at no point did they ever have to necessarily keep the campaign everywhere or zombies everywhere or anything like that. So who knows? They, they can maybe see the numbers and they could be like, okay, so like a lot of the multiplayer stuff, you know, Warzone is very multiplayer. Every everybody's playing that everywhere. So let's not impact that too much. That's bringing a lot of money. However, um, we could see maybe keeping some of the core experiences to the Xbox platform. And that won't make, you know, drop the player count too severely. Um, maybe that we could see kind of like a half and half approach like that. So it's like if you want the mm-hmm. full F- Call of Duty experience, come to Xbox. But Warzone will be everywhere. Maybe your standard kind of multiplayer de- team deathmatch thing might be on, on PlayStation as well. Maybe. that That's maybe one way to go about it. Uh, but I had seen that online that people had mentioned Warzone. I hadn't thought about that where it's like, you know, they could say like, hey, we are not pulling X- uh, Call of Duty off a... Of, PlayStation, take off all the Call of Duty and just leave Warzone, and technically Call of Duty is still on PlayStation, so it'd be petty, but it'd be an idea. Yeah, I think that that's also a big part of it. You know, again, there's talks and rumors of them not even doing a Call of Duty every year, so that would make sense where you don't really need one, especially with Warzone. You know, Warzone's so baked in with this, that's probably not a primary mode. So it would be interesting. We're going to have to see. Again, this is stuff that we won't see for years, unfortunately. But we'll remember these moments when we promised that it would or wouldn't happen. And, of course, it's got to go one way or the other. Yeah, who knows? It might be famous last words because uh, the Bethesda exclusivity thing didn't necessarily play out exactly how I thought. So who knows which direction yeah. uh, they, they'll, they'll go with that. Yeah, it took forever to get our answers. But we did get the answers with the Bethesda deal, finally. For sure. <laughs> yep. All right, and, you know, this story is going to continue evolving for God who knows how long, so this won't be the last time we touched on it, but I think that's a good starting point, at least cover, I think we covered all our bases from what's come out uh, in the week. It was like every day something else was breaking, so I'm glad we recorded when we do, because we were able to have a full pack instead of half and halfing it. But uh, got to move on now to uh, Sony, and some possibly good news, but I'm very skeptical. Um, so, several PlayStation 3 games have reportedly recently spotted on the PS5 store, causing speculation that the PS5 could get further backwards compatibility. Uh, VGC reported that the PS3 game Dead or Alive 5 briefly listed a display price of $7.99 um, in their money, where it previously, previously redirected users to PlayStation Now version of the game. Additionally, other view other users reported similar new listings on the PS3 versions of Bejeweled, as well as Prince of Persia games, The Forgotten Sands, and The Two Thrones, each with their own individual price. However, none of the games were purchasable at these prices on PS5. At the time of writing, IGN could not replicate these findings, which could mean that this is was a simple error in the PlayStation 5 store, or this is a potentially mistaken early release has now been fixed. 
All these happened while rumors of Sony launching Project Spartacus in the near future, which would be the response to Xbox Game Pass service. Uh, that was all trending online. Obviously, this came around. What a bad time to do, obviously, because of uh, all the big deals. Spartacus has obviously, has obviously been a big talking point as well as an answer to all this stuff going on with Activision and Microsoft. Now, this got me very excited. Uh, I did some digging, and I got less excited. So this, this is exciting that the PlayStation 5 is recognizing these games as PS3 games uh, specifically. Um, my only thing is this is this happened years ago on PS4. Before a game was officially put on PS Now, it would appear in the market and then immediately almost disappear within hours. I, I don't know if this is that. I don't know if that's a backdoor way of them doing things that it would appear that way. Uh, I would love to believe that <laughs> this is just prepping for backwards compatibility prepping for uh playstation pat or project spartacus um whatever they end up calling it you know these are some of the titles which would make sense the some of these ones that were showing up like the prince of persia games by ubisoft playstation and ubisoft have a pretty good relationship um there's usually exclusive content so i would see that kind of working in well with backwards compatibility especially with the prince of persia remake even though that game is in development hell right now um it would kind of make sense um i'm just until i see an official statement it's very hard for this again i've been booting up my ps3 to dabble in a few old ps3 uh games and it's very very rough to do that it takes forever to turn on forever to load and yeah. half the time it just doesn't want to really boot so it's kind of rough to do that so the fact that some of these games are just stranded in there just so much more pushes and the fact that this was trending so much and everyone was running with the story just shows that that hunger is there. Um, again, this is all happening right after we had some, um, you know, licensing and um, copyrights done uh, with Mark Cerny. His name showed up in a few things when he was doing the copyright. Uh, his like copyright rights were renewed and stuff for PlayStation backwards compatibility. And we all know that Power Hour he did where that backwards compatibility uh, diagram looked very off, <laughs> like it was missing things. So. Uh, what did you what did you think of this? I know this is something that you want as well. Um, I think most people want this, but what did you think of this uh, sort of bubbling up again? Yeah, um, I, I think obviously Sony's proper response to Game Pass, like a more robust version of PlayStation Now, you know, maybe combined with some other things, is to some degree an inevitability. But I think that this specific error. Um, yeah, I, and then funny you mentioned uh, that having popped up again. Like, I did remember when that happened uh, before. So I, I really did think that this is very likely just an error. I don't think these this is a sign of other things to come, even though I do have full faith that that Project Spartacus thing is really does, is happening. Mm-hmm. What that looks like when it's all said and done, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I think if I was them, you know, I, I think there's like likely scenarios and then there's like ideal scenarios. Ideal scenario everybody wants is the PlayStation Game Pass, basically, where, you know, they have you reaching all the way back, you know, the Twisted Metals and everything like that. Everything Sony owns is here to stream, to download. That's the important part, the download. Uh, they fixed the PS3 thing. Everything's there. You can, hey, you want to play Infamous? Here you go. Um, that's the ideal everybody wants. Uh, the more realistic scenario is that yeah they just expand backwards compatibility on the um, the PS5 to include probably PlayStation One and Two, 
uh, alongside of four, have three available for streaming, maybe adjust the pricing things to make it a little bit more streamlined. And if I was them, maybe I wouldn't, I don't think it's impossible for them to possibly uh, have some kind of deal with a bigger publisher, whether it be a Square Enix, because you know, the with the PlayStation deal to have the like the uh, Final Fantasy games maybe available on this service, maybe even a mm-hmm. Ubisoft. I think that would be a really smart idea. It's like, hey, we have a revamped game pass competitor on our services we're partnering with ubisoft on this and just use all of the assassin's creed games and all the far cry games as marketing options i think that would be brilliant of them uh, personally because there, there is a real thirst on the playstation side to go back to some of these old games the problem with and, and it's hilarious it's like nothing matters on playstation until it's available so basically like a lot of the fanboys don't think backwards compatibility makes it, like is worth it or anybody cares about old games until it's available on the playstation ecosystem so the moment it's available on playstation that's when we're gonna see how many people really do care about backwards compatibility and i think it's gonna explode because i hear i see people all the time online talking about like oh my god i, I like specifically like oh oh man SEO is so cool i i wish i can go back and, and play that but yeah a lot of people are really not trying to crack open the, the 360 or 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 their playstation 3 or whatever to to go mm-hmm. back and play that uh and if you're on the playstation side a lot of those games are kind of out of luck and yeah there are like hd remasters and stuff like that but sometimes people have these old discs so if they can find a solu- an elegant solution to that um and i don't think it's ever gonna be i, I mean that's the thing it's like ideally we'd love for them to replicate what xbox did so it's like those existing ps1 ps2 discs you have put them into your system and they work like yeah that would be amazing uh, and there's software solutions to that, but I just don't yeah. think the infrastructure is in place on the PlayStation to do that. I just don't think so. Uh, I, I'm not a tech guy, but I feel like if it was, if they could do that, they would have done that. Um, and I just don't think. I think the entire the fact that there's an entire PlayStation generation, they don't have an elegant solution to play right now, shows the fact that they are not the most. Before the PS4 generation, we're not the most forward-thinking in terms of developing backwards compatibility. Um, and so, yeah, I think the most realistic scenario is that play, PlayStation now gets a little bit of a rehaul, and maybe they partner with somebody, and uh, they expand the backwards compatibility. You know, more PlayStation 1 games, um, PlayStation 2 games for download and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the ideal solution is, or the ideal situation people want is that literally just game pass just done by playstation um yeah but we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out i'm positive about it but yeah i think overall this this story with it was just a glitch probably most likely i don't think it's kind of a sign of other things to come though i think that that service is incoming and i wouldn't be surprised to see it roll out sometime in 2022 maybe 2023 but uh that's kind of my thoughts on yeah. it yeah, we'd love to see it again. We we have to see. It. There's slight rumors that there's a state of play on February second. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, which would which would would put it right between uh, our recording week. So luckily that would happen before our next recording. If it's true, no one knows if it's true. I don't think uh, Project Spark is, is uh, ready yet. Um, and if it is, they're probably obviously reevaluating the the price opponent, especially now knowing what Activision is doing. So we'll have to see, but it is. I think it's time that it, this is at least publicly addressed. Uh, go play Resistance. Go play the Resistance series on your PS4 or PS5. Oh, yeah. Can't. Go play the original Kill Zones. Can't. Go play Infamous One and Two. The games that Sony holds highly, highly up there. You can't play them. You cannot play them. You have to. I mean, it's ridiculous that it's been this long. Um, and then there's that a solution hasn't been found. 
um, unfortunately. But we'll have to unfortunately just wait and see and keep praying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look how long it took them to allow you to change your freaking PlayStation ID. So these things take time. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and when it comes out, I'm sure to some degree it's going to require a lot of work. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to come out of the gate swinging because, again, th these are massive technical overhauls. This is not as simple. Again, like for them to be able to on previous consoles to get that them to run things natively, they had to include like physical drives that actually r natively ran the games. That's why uh, they took that feature out of the PS3s, um, the ability to play PlayStation 1, 2, and 3 games all on one system. Because uh, it's, it's just not an easy solution to this. Um, um, mm -hmm. Xbox, thankfully for them, had designed their games in a way and designed their consoles in a very different way than PlayStation did. So when it came to like the Series X and the, and the Xbox One, yeah, play Xbox 360 games. Go ahead, play the original Xbox game. It doesn't really matter. Um, it all kind of runs on the thing, but that cell architecture really bit them in the booty, and uh, hopefully they can figure that out. All right. Yeah. So uh, the last story, and this is interesting because we're kind of headed back to Activision for a second here, um, but it, it's it's a little bit bigger than them. Um, so this is this story is going to be about the Raven Software QA team uh, finally unionizing. This is by Nicole Carpenter over there at Polygon. Um, quality assurance workers at Raven Software, a subsidiary of Activision Blizzard are unionizing with the Communication Workers of America, or the CWA. Um, the group called the Game Workers Alliance is the first group of workers to form a unit under Activision Blizzard. Uh, workers are asking the company to voluntarily uh, recognize the union, which has the support of a supermajority of Raven's QA workers, so 78% of eligible workers. A CWA representative told Polygon some uh, Raven Software QA workers have been on strike since early December after Activision Blizzard denied new contracts for 12 members of the QA team. So it seems like they were going to bring on some people, but 12 people were denied contracts, so they went on strike. Uh, the strike of several dozen workers, according to the Washington Post, has no end date, and management has not yet responded to the workers' demands as of the time that that um, report was written. According to the CWA, Activision Blizzard has not cooperated with worker organizers. Instead, it's used surveillance and intimidation tactics, including hiring notorious union busters to silence workers. Uh, so this is definitely giving similar vibes to the situation that we saw at Amazon not too long ago. Um, Activision Blizzard has issued a statement regarding the Game Workers Alliance request for voluntary recognition. Uh, Activision Blizzard is carefully reviewing the request uh, for voluntary recognition from the CWA, which seeks to organize around three dozen of the company's nearly 10,000 employees. Uh, while we believe that it's a direct relationship between the company and its team members delivers the strongest workflows, workforce opportunities, we deeply respect the rights of all employees under the law to make their own decisions about whether or, what, or not to join a union across Activision Blizzard. We remain focused on listening closely to our employees and provided the improved pay benefits and professional opportunities needed to attract and retain the world's best talent over the past couple of years this include and you know what to be honest with you that's just kind of uh activision corporate nonsense because obviously they're not particularly enthused about the idea of uh union happening but unionizing the game industry has been a general push uh by a lot of people for quite a while that i think is overall an incredibly positive force um, for the game industry, because for you guys that don't know, uh, when you look at like crunch conditions, compensation, um, and just overall workplace cultures around the game industry, it's been really, really toxic and really, really destructive to a lot of people. We've seen this pop up over and over and over again, whether it be at Ubisoft, Activision, we saw it at Rockstar once upon a time. 
Um, so the, this kind of issue has been happening over and over again. And this is not the first video game union to exist, but it's exciting to see something on the scale actually happen at a subsidiary of Activision Blizzard. It's really interesting to see how that kind of translates to once after that um that acquisition happens like what's that relationship going to be because obviously activision is not particularly pro-union by the way that they're just uh the the jargon that they're using specifically in their phrasing um and their unwillingness to really work with them um but at the same time you know they have a super majority of you know 78 percent of eligible workers join the cwa or, or the, the the gwa in that court uh case so obviously this is you know something kind of out of their control at this point and they they need to start working with their workers and actually um value people's labor in a, in a real way so obviously there's no um secret that i'm like pretty pro-union um, but i'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this story yeah you know it, it it's hard to have like a, a general consistent of uh should everything be union should everything not be union yeah you know uh, i can only i again I work in a completely different industry. Some of my locations are union. Some of them are not union. My, I do not work for a union, but uh, a store very close to me does work for a union. And I see the ups and downs. Again, sure. different industry, different, you know, relates. So I can only compare uh, small parts of it. But, you know, it is a, a, in my sense, a store-by-store store case. And it makes sense that it's almost a company-by-company company base in the gaming industry, you know, because some companies, you know, especially when I see it from Raven, uh, Raven Software itself, just as an entity, has been treated horribly, you know, being forced around, moved around, so I can only imagine what that trickles down to the everyday worker. So for the everyday worker to be more comfortable, to have the the benefits it needs and should have um, and is earned, um, it makes sense, which is why I'm pro... I'm pro union when it makes sense and and this is one of those statements when you see you know all those qa members just out of nowhere being just laid off especially right before your company takes a 70 almost a 70 billion dollar you know your head company taking a 70 billion dollar um check from microsoft it's just it's i'm glad that this was almost coinciding with that because it, it makes sense um because these are you know they're not asking for all the they're asking for you know you know to be to have their time and their work you know maximized and respectfully put in so it, it makes sense in that absolute and so that's why for you know this situation i'm very pro for it uh again i it's it's rare when i see a situation that the unions don't work for or just shouldn't be there but um now this is like i'm doing more and more research on it as it's appearing more and more in our news feeds you know that's why i was glad this was happening and i think this is not gonna be the last of it because i now it's gonna continue working on again questions when you know different uh who you answer to changes so it's gonna be interesting to see how that exactly works out but i i do think you know there's gonna be some learning curves but i do in general feel very um you know happy with for for them and excited for this all to really start to rolling yeah, most definitely. And then I, I think ultimately when it's all said and done, um, this is just a power shift. And, you know, it, it kind of you have to make a decision for yourself, whether as a consumer or as a worker or as a manager or whatever you may be uh, in, in whatever industry where it's like, where do you want that power to lie? 
um, in the hands of the owners, the, the the managers, the the capitalists, or the workers. That's just kind of the the, the main conflict that has existed for i mean this is not a new struggle um this is not the first time we've seen an industry going through this and it's just long overdue for the game industry and so you know it was an inevitable conflict but especially in the inevitability of this conflict was only hastened by the level of exploitation by a lot of these uh decision makers in this industry there was a lot of exploitation a lot of uh, devaluing of the worker uh, and the lives and the labor of the workers in the game industry. So every time, for every person that was done wrong over, I mean, the decades that this industry has existed, they only hastened this happening right now. So in many ways, um, for all the people making decisions at these companies and, and who the owners of these companies and the managers at these companies that are upset with the general push towards unionization of the game industry, in many ways they have no one to blame but themselves. Because, uh-huh. you know, the we just as kind of just outsiders who play games, you and I, I've heard about the abuse of these developers for years. And, and that's from an outsider perspective. So imagine about the people who are going through this, you know, in the late 70s, at, you know, at Atari and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, and until now. So this was an inevitability. And I think this is by no means going to be the last time we hear about a major game company going through this. And in many ways, I think overall it should be welcomed because I think overall it's going to come down to just worker respect. Um, and this is, in many ways, uh, the way that games have been developed in a mainstream sense at these AAA studios have been a very disrespectful process. Um, you know, dehumanizing the, the ridiculous hours and the fact that the compensation in many ways never really lined up with that, where these people would work, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of hours, giving up pretty much everything of their life. Um, to sleep at these studios and develop these games to get this insane level of scrutiny to earn no money on the back end really all for them to be fired the moment that the game is out and then have to scrounge up and look for jobs at another studio and just go through that process for years and years on end with the hope that they're able to climb a little bit up the corporate ladder and make decisions themselves and actually stay at a studio like that's really the reality for so many game developers at these major studios and you know I think it's about time that this gets shaken up and that a lot of that power is seized from these people who just exploit people and are actually put in the hands of the, the exploited so overall i think it's a positive thing that's kind of just my take on it no i yeah i completely agree all right guys so quite the the heavy show today a lot a lot of stuff with the xbox activision playstation stuff mm-hmm. so quite a heavy show um but yeah i'm excited to see what the next stuff uh the next show contains because i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of developments over the next couple of weeks even just about the xbox activision stuff uh i, I don't forget about last we hear about it. i think you know by the end of today we're probably gonna have new developments related to that story because it's an ever-evolving <laughs> thing most likely All right, guys, so we'll see you guys in two weeks, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. This is Jabril, and I am here with Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you guys then. Bye.